Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. I want to read that from the New Living Translation. It says it this way, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. The prophet Isaiah writes prophetically of the future glory of Jerusalem. I believe verse 2 describes the days that we're currently experiencing in our nation and in the nations of the earth. Isaiah 60 verse 2 says this from the New Living Translation. It says, Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. We're experiencing a worldwide storm. Paul describes our days in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, when he says these are perilous or dangerous or difficult times. In August chapter 2015, I wrote the following in a blog entitled A Coming Storm. I was going back in my files this week, and I looked at a message that I had preached about a coming storm. Listen to what I wrote. For some time I've been hearing the words, there's an approaching storm. I believe there's a storm coming internationally to our nation, to our region, and to us individually. What kind of storm will this be? It will be a last day's storm. What can we expect from this storm? Deception, wars, and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, and pestilences. Jesus instructed us that these are the beginning of sorrows and that these would be characteristics of the last days. As I read through what I wrote five years ago and what I preached about five years ago, I was amazed at how the words that I spoke are word, things that I'm seeing in the headlines that are written today. We're living in a very interesting time. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 8, concerning the last days that we're experiencing in the world today. In verses 4 through 8, he answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Somebody said, where are we living? In the prophetic time clock. I believe we're living in verse 8. We're in the beginning of sorrows. There are unexplained explosions that are taking place at strategic places in missile bases and in uh, ammunition bases inside the nation of Iran. Many believe that Israel is behind these explosions. Israel has mobilized its army and strengthened its defenses on its northern border because of threats by Hezbollah, the, the proxy army of Iran. Syria, Lebanon, Afghanistan, Yemen, and Libya are all involved in conflict today. COVID-19, riots, protest, and conflict dominate the headlines that we read and the news that we hear. We hear words today like unemployment, recession, and social distancing. The world is shaking and many are fearful. These are very frightening times. 
But I didn't come today to talk about the bad news. I came today to give you good news. And the good news is, is we don't have to give in to fear. The Bible says a great deal about fear. In 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. John 14.27, Peace I'll leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Psalms 94.19, In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. I want to read that from the NIV. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Isaiah 43, verse 1, But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Psalms 23, verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalms 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? For the world, these are very frightening times. But for the believer, these are very exciting times. John 8, 56, Jesus says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. How can we be excited today in the midst of chaos and confusion? Because God has a place in time for each one of us. God has a plan for our lives. This is our time. We have a harvest to reap. Prayers that you have prayed that are, are not going to go unanswered. Things that you have believed God for and stood in faith for, you're going to realize and see them before your very eyes. The kingdom of God is not in crisis today. God is not in heaven wringing his hands today. He's not calling a meeting of all the angels to figure out plan B. But God is on the throne. And God does not change. He says, I'm the Lord and I change not. Therefore, you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I want to tell you, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And heaven is not in crisis today. God has us in the palm of his hand. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalms 139.10 says, Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I've come to tell somebody today it's your due season. He's calling you to take your place in the harvest field. John chapter 4, verses 35 through 38 says, Do not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. It's harvest time for the body of Christ. So this morning, for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about a subject I've simply entitled about a time, a place in time. So I want to talk about time and place. God has a place for us in his timing. So first of all, notice that there is a time. You see, we don't always understand the timing of God. There's a timing in God. 
He's not in time, but he reigns above time. He's the great chronographer of the ages. He created time. And he moves in and out of time. And we can miss our moment. We can miss it if we move outside the timing of God. We are entering into our place in time. It's our time to move into what the Lord has for us as his people. I would define this as a now time. Watch for the doors of opportunity that God will open for you. We don't want to miss moving through the doors of opportunity in this new era. We're in a time of reset. Many prophetic voices are declaring this. We begin to declare this at the beginning of the year. And God gave us two scriptures. Let me read from the Passion Translation, Isaiah 43, 19. I'm doing something brand new, something unheard of. Even now it sprouts and grows and matures. Don't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. The latter part of Joshua 3, 4 says this. You have not passed this way before. On Pentecost Sunday, I spoke about the three doors that God is opening in this season. Let me give you those three doors. First of all, there's a door of hope. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in, in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The second is a door of harvest in Galatians 6, 9. And it says this from the New Living Translation. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The third is a door of power, a door of hope, a door of harvest, and a door of power. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. There is a battle over our declaration. The enemy is trying to silence the voice of the church. This is the Hebrew decade, 5780 of pay. And the word pay in the Hebrew means mouth. It means speech. It has to do with breath. You do you see the attack that's come? And what the enemy wants to do is silence the voice of the church. Silence your voice. He wants to come and take over your declaration. That's why we have to watch over what we say. We have to learn how to speak our faith. You say, Pastor, are you preaching positive confession? No. I'm preaching about professing the word of God. Confessing the word of God over every circumstance, over every situation of your life. You see, when you're confessing the word, you're confessing something that's powerful. The Bible said the, the word of God's living. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. I want to tell you, when you begin to speak the word, the word has resurrection power. And you're speaking resurrection power into the place of death. You're speaking resurrection power into the place of confusion. You're speaking resurrection power into the place of fear. And the enemy wants to silence our voice today. In Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43, there's a story of a blind man by the roadside. As Jesus was making his way into the city of Jericho, this blind man knew that it was his moment. It was his now time. The story is the story of blind Bartimaeus. As Jesus was coming near to Jericho, Bartimaeus began to cry out. And he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In Luke 18, 39, it says those around him, the religious folks, warned him to be quiet. They tried to hush him up. They tried to get him to be quiet. They said, you're going to disturb the master. You see, the enemy wants to silence you. He wants to keep you from declaring your faith. 
What happened? I'll tell you what happened. He got the attention of Jesus. In Luke chapter 18, verses 40 through 43, it said, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him in verse 41, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Those same folks around him, those same negative voices, those people who were trying to quiet him, they witnessed the fact that he had a miracle. Listen, we can't let the world silence our voice. We can't let the enemy take away our faith declaration today. But we must lift our voices in the name of the Lord and begin to speak the word of God over every circumstance and situation that comes into our life. Had he listened to the negative voices, he would have missed his moment. His deliverance was released by crying out at the right moment. It's time for you and I to cry out in faith. You got to cry out for your lost children. You got to cry out for your lost grandchildren. You got to cry out for your needs to be met. You got to cry out for that job situation. You got to cry out for your healing. You got to stand in faith and believe God. So I don't know where we get this thing that we've just got to take everything the devil brings to us and we just surrender to it. No, no, no. We rise up in the name of the Lord and we say, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved us. I have the power to overcome in the name of Jesus. And we learn how to declare in faith what the word of God says over our lives. It's our now time. There are two Greek words that are used in the New Testament for time. The first is chronos and the second is kairos. The word chronos refers to a general process of time or chronological time. The word kairos refers to a right time, the opportune or strategic time, the now time. Before God will move you into your now, now time, he will first put you into the process of time process is designed to prepare you to embrace the future that God has designed for you. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12 verse 32 it says that the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. These people understood how God moved and worked in time. And God, our prayer today should be, Lord, empower us to understand how you're working and how you're moving in time. Sometimes we think Where's God? Sometimes we wonder, why has my promise been delayed so long? Listen, we have to understand the timing of God. And sometimes God is working things out in the process so that when you come to that opportune moment, you will be able to embrace what he's doing in your life. There is a timing in God. But secondly, there's a covenant place that God has for us. God uses the process of time to prepare us for the place he's designed for us. The process is important because it prepares us to receive what God has promised us. Without the process of time, we will falter and fall when we enter into the place that God has for us. God has a covenant assigned place just for you. This is your assignment. And that assignment is always linked with a territory. We call this the law of place. God made place before he made people. Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden. The question today be, may be, where is my covenant place? God, what, what do you have for me? I, I just, I feel so disconnected. And there's several people that are tuning in this morning, and you feel very disconnected where you are. 
It's because you're in a time of transition. God is moving you from one place to another. And when God begins to do a work of transition, he begins to disconnect you emotionally from the place that you're in so that you can get ready to embrace the place that he's taking to. And here's the thing. Transition is a very stressful thing. Because we have to let go of what is comfortable. We have to let go of what is secure. We have to let go of what we've held on to and we've known in the past. But if we don't let go of what we've held on to, we will never embrace what God has for us. And sometimes in that place, we call it being in the hallway. We have all kinds of ways to describe transition. It's an uncomfortable place. And we feel disconnected. And it could be that God is disconnecting you because he wants to reconnect you. This is a year of divine reset where God is resetting some things in your life. What does God have for me? How do I enter into it? Your covenant place is the place God has assigned you to. It involves where you live. We can't just haphazardly buy a house. We have to pray. We have to believe God. The house that I live in, I prayed. I sought the Lord about it. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'll reveal your house to you at Pentecost. And we went to look at an open house on Pentecost Sunday. And it was not the house. It had a lot of acreage and a lot of grass to cut. And I thought, man, I don't need a horse farm and all that grass to cut. I don't have time for that. And so I decided to take a ride up through our neighborhood and to show my mother-in-law and father-in-law some houses that we had looked at in the past. And when we turned the corner, we saw the house that we live in now. And it had just gone on the market. Matter of fact, it was so new on the market that they hadn't even posted it on the Internet yet. I looked at it on Tuesday. I put an offer in and bought it on Friday. The Lord brought me to that place. It's the house that he had for me. Where you live is important. God has an assignment for you in the neighborhood that he places you in. Where you work, where you worship, that's where, and where you fulfill the call of God on your life. That's God's covenant place for you. God places you where you are to release a certain gift through you to that place. And I, I shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to say this because somebody needs to hear it. You can't just haphazardly go from church to church. You've got to find the place that God has for you. Well, my friends go here, or this person wants me to come with them, or whatever. Find the place that God has for you and get planted in that place because there's giftings that God put down on the inside of you that need to be released in that house. But there's also an anointing in that house that you need to cultivate and grow and grow in the gifting that God has given to you. God places you there to release a certain gift through you to that place. Proverbs eighteen sixteen says, A man's gift makes room for him. And brings him before great men. There's some new things that he desires to do in and through us in this covenant place. He's designed for us. He first deals with our identity. He does this as he takes us through the process of time. God has been reshaping your identity in him. He strips away our old identity. Have you ever noticed how we identify with things? I have arthritis. I have this particular, and we, 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 we take ownership of it, and we identify. Folks, stop identifying yourself by the labels that the world will put on you. Identify yourself according to what God's Word says about you. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. You're a peculiar people. And we have quite a few peculiar people around the body of Christ. There's a good place to say amen. <laughs> He wants to strip away our old identity. How does he do this? 
Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The enemy comes to keep you from understanding who you are in Christ. People will say to me, Pastor, the devil's mad because of what I'm doing in the church. No, no, the attack's not against what you do. The attack's against who you are. And if the enemy can keep you bound in poverty, if the enemy can keep you bound in a mindset that's rooted in a past season, then you will, may, may not be able to move forward and embrace what God wants to do in this now time. But God wants to reshape your identity, and he wants you to begin to see yourself as he sees you. That's not a matter of pride. That's not a matter of arrogance. But that is a matter of believing what God says about us today the enemy wants to keep you from knowing who you are there's some new things the Lord desires to do through you in this covenant place he's designed for you let me give them to you number one he'll give you new favor favor is simply grace we will have the grace to do what he's assigned us to do one of the ways you know that God is getting ready to transition you is you no longer have the grace to do what you've done in the past you'll feel disconnected from it what used to be a joy will become a routine. And you'll know that God is getting ready to transition you into another situation or circumstance. He'll give you new relationships. The kingdom of God functions on relationships. Watch the relationships he places on your path. Those relationships will open the doors to the future. He will give you new weapons for the war of hair ahead. Our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. He will give you a new revelation. He will give you a new level of authority. And we enter into this new place by faith through prayer. Faith is important as we get ready to move into the place God has for us as the people of God. And my last point is simply this. There is a timing in God. There's a covenant place he wants to bring us into in his timing. But then there will be a battle over that covenant place. We call this the battle before the breakthrough. Some says there's a battle before the breakthrough. There can be a battle during the breakthrough and a battle after the breakthrough. The enemy's going to oppose you as you get ready to move into your covenant place. Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 says, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and laws. The enemy attempts to change time and law. Why does the enemy oppose us? To keep us from releasing what God has put inside us into the covenant place that he's assigned for us. I don't believe that place can be fulfilled until you get into that place. Because there's something in you that needs to be released into that place. And the battle is over your territory and it's over your assignment. It'll take wisdom to move through the door God's opening for you. In 1 Samuel 19, 12, David fled through an open window of opportunity when Saul sought to kill him. He escaped the men who came, the soldiers who came for him with the help of his wife, Michal. And he moved through that window of opportunity. May God open a window of opportunity over us today. See, many of you are at the door of your breakthrough. And this breakthrough will come through prayer. Micah chapter 2 verse 3 reveals God as the breaker. It's the one who breaks open will come up before them they will break out, pass through the gate, and go out by it. Their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. 
To break means to cause to come apart by force, to separate into pieces by shattering, to burst and force a way through resulting in splitting a barrier, and to interrupt and bring about suspension of an operation. It is a term that means an offensive thrust that penetrates and carries beyond a defensive line in warfare, a sudden advance in knowledge or technique and moving through an obstruction and a disrupting of the continuity or flow of an old system. Old systems or old wineskins will keep you from the place God has destined for you. So we must pray and believe for breakthrough today to know the right time to move into what God has for us. We pray for the breaker to come and break open what needs to be broken open. Somebody today, you had a door that closed, but you felt like that door should have opened. I want to tell you that God is going to reopen that door that closed. Man got in the way. Man got in the middle of it, and man closed the door. But God says, I'm the judge of judges, and I rule in the courts of heaven, and I'm going to overrule what man has done. You see, in our land, we have a Supreme Court. And if we don't like the, we feel like the, the verdict that we got in the courts was unjust, we can appeal and go up the line. And eventually, the Supreme Court will rule. They can rule for or against. Sometimes they'll overrule the lower courts and says that's unconstitutional. But based on the rule of law, this is the verdict. God's going to overrule on your behalf. You knew that promotion was yours. You knew that opportunity was yours. But somehow man got involved in it. And the door closed. But I want to tell you, God's going to reopen that door. He's going to overrule. He's going to overrule. Hallelujah. There's such a presence of God in this place. I love to lay hands on people and pray for them. I love to minister around altars and flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But in the past months, we, we've been limited in what we can do. And I've learned this, that you don't have to lay hands on people. But people can receive right where they're at. This anointing that I'm talking about, this presence is tangible in this room today. And it'll touch you right where you're at. It's not only tangible, but it's transferable. I've often been amazed when you videotape or you uh, record. And the word of the Lord is preached or ministered or sung in whatever fashion. The anointing that's on that message will transfer onto that tape or onto that CD, or onto that recording. And when you play it, you'll feel and know it, and sense it. People will watch this in the days to come on Facebook. They'll click on it. And this anointing, this tangible, transferable anointing, will touch them and touch their lives. That's the presence of God that you feel. That's His glory. That's His power. And He's touching you right now. If you need healing, lift your hands. And begin to declare you're healed by the power of the blood of Jesus. If you need salvation today, 
look up to heaven and say, Jesus, here I am. I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. Save me. Change me. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not hard. It's not difficult. Call on his name. Perhaps you're in a place of difficulty. You've got a child that's sick. And you need God to heal that child. I'd encourage you right now to lay hands on that child. And in the name of Jesus, rebuke that sickness. Take dominion over it. Pray over it in the name of the Lord. By his stripes we were healed. He's a healing Jesus. Those who are believing God for rebellious children, call them home. Call their name. Call them home. Some of you need to send out a shout in the spirit realm. Some of you need to get up right now and worship and rejoice right in your house, right around your kitchen table. Listen, some of the most glorious times that I've had in my ministry have not been in church services, but it's been my wife and I praying in our living room. It's been our family receiving Holy Communion right in our home. It's been me and God right at the kitchen table writing sermons or, or worshiping or praying or, or, or listening to hear His voice. Make an altar right where you're at and begin to pray. Call that child's name. Call that grandchild's name. And out loud, tell them, come home. Come home. Come home. Come home to Jesus. Come home to the things of God. Come home, sinner. Come home, backslider, in the name of Jesus. Listen, God's moving. He's working. He's touching. I want to encourage you today to know that you can trust His love. You can trust Him. He has a place in time for you and your family.